Well, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Odette Suter, for joining us today. Um, do you prefer to be called Dr. Suter or Odette, or what should I call you as? Odette is fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So thank you so much for coming. Um, I appreciate all of your um, your knowledge that you're going to bring to us. Um, and we'll get into more information about you know, everything that you do. I, I can't even believe how much you do. Um, but first of all, let's start off with how did you uh, decide to become a veterinarian? Well, I just want to thank you. I feel honored to be here as well. And, you know, it's always nice for, you know, to have people around that are spreading the information that you do. So I I appreciate what you're doing. And I know you're doing a lot as well for the whole, you know, tech world and the health of our, you know, furry friends. So thanks for that. Um, so I decided to become a vet when, I mean, I was always around animals when, when mm -hmm. I was a kid. Um, although I didn't really like animals that much back then. It was always <laughs> my sister who brought in the strays and, the, you know, she, she'd always bring in the animals and I'm like, well, really, you know, <laughs> um, and then she dragged me, um, to go horseback riding and, and I fell in love with that and, um, over time, I just got to ride horses of other people's and, you know, I was very involved. I basically spent every free minute in the barn, working mm -hmm. uh, and riding and, you know, brushing horses and just being around them. And uh, one day, I remember one of the horses I was helping to take care of, he fell on his front um, knees on the carpet. Car it's really the carpet, <laughs> but people call it the knee. Right, um, right. And he had big gashes in, in that area, and so he needed veterinary attention to sew him back together. And um, I was watching, and I'm like, oh, I'm not disgusted. I'm not fainting. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm interested. This is cool. And so I asked questions, and I don't know. From that day on, I just knew I was going to become a vet. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Uh, we have spent a lot of time at the barn as well with my both my daughters riding. We were there constantly for I don't know 10 years with them writing and um, I also have a, a quick story of when we were shareboarding our first horse shareboarding is when you rent the horse oh. to ride and uh, Matilda was riding this pony and another horse in the ring kicked uh, the horse we were she was riding and um, in the leg and so she needed stitches and the um the owners of the horse just said you know call the vet and have them come out and you know you take care of it <laughs> so i'm there with the veterinarian i had to um hold the horse and twitch the horse while the horse while he's just putting stitches in her leg and i and i was just totally amazed at that whole process and that i actually could handle holding a horse getting stitched up it was kind of crazy <laughs> but i did it and i thought well that was pretty interesting if i was younger maybe i would become a vet too <laughs> Yeah, I saw that, in, or I heard it in one of your podcasts that that was kind of on your mind. At some point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I became a teacher instead. So I love my job, but I do love the animals. And um, I feel like that's my job to teach people to um, do as best they can with the animals. So I, I picked up your book uh, over the summer, um, What Your Vet Never Told You. And 
I absolutely love your book. And as I was reading it, I thought, wow, I need to tell people about this book. And I wasn't sure if like, if legally, if I could talk about your book on my own podcast, you know, if I had to get your permission. And so this is where our story begins. I um, was at the Dogs Naturally um, RNDS uh, conference in the fall. And I, at that same time, I was thinking, gosh, how am I going to talk about her book? And maybe I need to contact uh, Dr. Suter. And I went to one of the booths just to look at some of the products. I turn around and there you are (laughs) right next to me. And I'm like, whoa, that is really a coincidence that here I was just trying to figure out what do I do? And uh, of course, I asked you and you were like, oh, yeah, that would be great. And you were so nice. And then you were like, do you want me to come on your podcast? I'm like, I was floored. I'm like, well, that, yes, I would love that. So I was so excited. And so I just kind of felt like that was, it was just meant to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Is, yeah. So I mean, I remember cool. how we met. It was, <laughs> it was quite nice. And, you know, you're a teacher, wanted to be a vet. I'm a vet and teaching. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, we're kindred spirits that way because we have the same goal of educating people, empowering people, and spreading good information. And, um, yeah, exactly. Empowering Talk about my book or whatever <laughs> you want, you know, because, you know, it's about spreading the information and making this planet a better place for everybody. You know? And mm-hmm. so, yeah, right. not much to it. <laughs> right. So, you know, in your book, I so our podcast will be mostly about your book, but of course we can add everything else in there that you're interested in too. Um, so tell me a little bit about your um, family, how you grew up and how your parents helped you um, become a holistic veterinarian and your viewpoints on health. Well, I mean, when I uh, was young, we grew up, we had a garden. My mom was growing uh, vegetables. We had apples from the farm directly. You know, we went and picked them up. Um, my grandfather had cherry trees and bees, so we had honey um, and I think that's probably just how it used to be a bit more when I grew mm-hmm. up in general, not just in my family, but people were just a little bit closer to nature still and knew that. Do you think that was just because you were in Switzerland or um, here too? Well, I, I can't really compare it to here, but in Switzerland, mm-hmm. definitely people still had gardens and grew their own stuff. And, you know, we would eat seasonal vegetables and fruits. You know, we didn't have avocados much, for example, or we didn't eat strawberries in the wintertime. So it was still a little bit more with the cycle of nature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had herbs in our garden to, you know, rosemary, sage and things like that. So it was... It was just a little bit more connected still, and mm-hmm. when you had a fever, you just stayed home and stayed in bed and sweated it out, you know? There was mm-hmm. no taking a lot of aspirin and Tylenols or whatever, you know? You'd let nature take its course a little bit more, um, you know, so that's how I grew up. And and then I obviously had lots of other influences as well um, in my life that were kind of geared, you know, heading me a little bit more towards holistic and... Mm-hmm. I always wanted to know, you know, the underlying things, and I'm a very uh, driven person, but I'm also a minimalist, mm-hmm. so I only expend as much energy as I really need to. 
get the most out of it. And so that philosophy sort of applies in, in how I work and how I think and how I live my life. Um, so I don't really fuss around with a lot of, you know, stuff around me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I go right to the, the heart of things uh, rather than, you know, getting distracted by a lot of through mm-hmm. around, you know. Well, and that reminds me of my brother-in-law who um, used to be a traditional veterinarian, and he was just getting so uh, frustrated with the cycle of antibiotics, steroids, they'd leave, come back, and they, you know, the whole cycle would come again. And he finally got to the point where he's like, wait a minute, I need to find the cause of what's happening and fix that, not just deal with symptoms all the time. And um, that's how he, along with some issues they were having with their own daughter, um, she was having severe sensitivities to everything protein. And from their journey with her, it introduced them to muscle testing. And so they felt, okay, this is a way we can start getting to the underlying causes of what's happening with um, some of these pets that he was dealing with. And so I can see where, you know, you want to deal with the cause, not just over and over the symptoms. And I did read something that you wrote uh, about how sometimes treating the symptoms can actually make, if you're not treating the cause and you're only treating the symptoms, you could actually make the whole um, health of the animal worse. Does that make sense? Right? Definitely. Like, for example, a lot of these animals with allergies that get you know, allergy medicine, and I don't want to really name any particular brand. No, no. There are some that suppress the immune system to the point where it, it, it just alters how the, the, the body works. And, you Mm -hmm. know, um, some drugs that are touted of, you know, to not have any side effects and they're all safe and everything. And then all of a sudden, all these animals that have been on it are developing tumors. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have nothing against giving an animal quality of life, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm not against sure. drugs per se, but I always try to find other ways to fix the underlying cause. But, you know, in the end, they have to enjoy their lives, too. Sure. And so if they're constantly in pain or, you know, itchy like crazy or, you know, you name it. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to provide some um, comfort and some relief, you mm-hmm. know, but I will always you know, attempt to get the underlying cause. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, um, you were also talking about, uh, one, uh, instance that happened to you when you were not happened to you, but to that was, I don't know if it was the same horse that they wanted to do some other type of, um, was it animal communication or something to help the animal, the horse get better? And that you didn't believe in it at first, but you thought, well, okay. Yeah, that was somebody um, who was psychic. Okay. Uh, so she would just pick up words and, and disease things, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she, they had somebody, you know, had her come out and work with that horse. That it was, um, actually, it was an Icelandic pony that had had a sinus infection for a long time and it just wouldn't heal. And so she um, figured it out, and the the pony got better. And I'm at first I thought, well, well that's really weird, you know. <laughs> I don't believe in that, but I've always been the type of person who stayed open, even if I didn't 
you know, if, even I think thought even if I thought it was just like a bunch of hoo hoo, but <laughs> <laughs> I figured, well, if I don't stay open, there's nothing I can learn. Right. right. So right. I don't believe in things. I try not to believe in things because believing is not really knowing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so anyways, I just tried to stay open and, and keep an open mind. And these, you know, this owner of this um, pony definitely opened my eyes to other things. You know, she really helped broaden the horizon for me mm -hmm. uh, since, you know, to look at things beyond, you know, what's so tangible and what we learned in vet school and, and such. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what I hope for um, upcoming veterinarians and doctors to mm -hmm. be able to take what they've learned. Obviously, that's important what they've learned in vet school mm -hmm. or in med school. And but to also keep their eyes open to what else could be out there to help them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's that's just so interesting. Now, do you think that um, did you practice traditional veterinarian in Switzerland? Um, yes, I, I did, but um, not for that long, just because mm -hmm. I didn't really find it satisfying. As you mentioned, it was just a cycle of steroids, antibiotics, and painkillers, basically. And mm -hmm. like, that really can't be it because, you know, anybody can prescribe antibiotics or painkillers, you know. Mm -hmm. You have, have pain, you just give it a pain medication. There's no... It's not interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, know? is that is that why you came to the United States then for schooling, or, or? Um, well, I I really wanted to work with horses um, back then, and um, in Switzerland there weren't that many opportunities to work with horses because it's a small country, and you know there weren't that many vet clinics mm -hmm. that were hiring um, veterinarians to work with horses. So somebody had. Uh, one of my colleagues had talked to me about internships um, that you could do in the United States. And so I decided to try that. Um, it was one of these, you know, you, we were talking about coincidences. It's, it's like he put this bug into my head and and then it was like somebody was just taking me by, <laughs> by the scratch <laughs> and dragging me over here. It's like I, it was like a parallel reality. I really couldn't I, I couldn't stop it, even though I was really afraid and, and worried because I, right. my, my English wasn't that great at the time. And just, you know, picking up your life and moving to mm -hmm. a completely different continent, that was a little scary. But it's almost like I was watching myself doing it and I couldn't I couldn't stop it. So, <laughs> like anyways, watching a movie. How, yeah. So that's how I ended up here. And, um, you know, how life is, you just start something somewhere else and then it just kind of takes up a life of its own and and there you are right right and here so you are I'm be here for a year and i'm still here 20 years later so <laughs> <laughs> and you're in illinois so yeah. you're outside of chicago yes mm -hmm. right okay all right so um you were also talking about your own health issues and how that kind of helped you um learn more about being a better veterinarian yeah, um, I did have a lot of um, more chronic types of issues, and so it really led me to explore a lot of things because whatever I was doing at any given time wasn't really giving me the results that I was hoping for. You know, I did mm -hmm. a lot. Of, um, first, I worked a lot on the more spiritual level as far as, you know, 
getting to know myself better and and how I operate in the world and um, yeah, I'll just become a bit more aware of, of my myself and my patterns and mm-hmm. maybe you know looking at that there's more than just me um, mm-hmm. in the world or you know in my life. Um, and that by itself wasn't helping enough. And then I focused more on acupuncture and herbs and that by itself didn't help enough. And then I did a lot of detox, uh, but that also didn't help all by itself. So it's like, I, I, I just, uh, on my journey, I learned a lot of different things and, you know, which then culminated in, in realizing I need to do everything all at the same, you know, together. It's not just Mm -hmm. like thing that's going to do, or give me what I want. And it's a process, you know, um, I mean, it took many years and, and I also had to make peace with it taking time just because I learned a lot and it's a journey. It's not necessarily the goal. So it's the improvement the the continuous learning, the expanding, um, that really, um, was driving me and is still driving me. So any of my interests are always based on, can I better myself mm-hmm. and, and learning more? And, you know, I do a lot of dancing these days and it's not so much the, the performing or the competing, you know, at competitions and having all the dresses and, you know, all the <laughs> stuff around it that interests me. It's more the exploration of my own body, how it moves, how I can get it to move the way, I think it should move, you know, uh-huh. so it's the exploration. What uh, kind of dancing? Is it ballroom dancing or? Yeah, I do ballroom and Latin. Oh, okay. Uh, moment, yeah. So. I, I'm a terrible dancer, so I would never go in there. <laughs> but well, I, didn't, I didn't really start with two right feet either, you know. <laughs> it's all practice. We're like with everything, you know, it's, it's if, you're, if you're interested enough, you can get to where you want to go. Right, right. So I did like, I did like your um, concept there of that it was not just one thing that you did, it was Mm -hmm. a combination of things and that it takes time. And I think that we need to apply that to our animals as well, when they're not feeling well, they didn't um, get sick just overnight. Normally, it's something that's built up over time. And Mm -hmm. so it's, you know, to really get to the core, probably is going to take time also. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, it's it's a journey, you know, we we all or at least that's my how I see it is that we're all here to to learn something. So just because something isn't perfect and doesn't look the way we think it should um doesn't mean that it's not doing something. It just takes time. The heal, healing takes time and just because it doesn't look the way one would hope to for it to look there's a lot of uh, learning and experiencing in it that is very valuable so it's not about perfection it's about the journey of it and um, that brings a lot of relief that it doesn't have to look a certain way because I find that a lot of people have a lot of judgments and regrets and and guilt about not knowing something sooner than they figured Mm -hmm. it out um but that's not what it's about you know it's about doing the best that we can in the moment Mm -hmm. you know and do what we can with what we know and then be open to learning more Mm -hmm. so it's more of a journey it's not so much 
like a goal. Sure, mm-hmm. we want to be healthy and and such, but um, it's a it's a journey, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of richness in that journey, a lot of learning, and it mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily need to be rushed, either. Mm-hmm. So I see that you have, like you said, you've learned um, different modalities mm-hmm. over the years. So 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 far, you've listed acupuncture and um, chiropractic I see you've also learned what what else have you learned already yeah um acupuncture chiro I do a little bit of herbs although I'm not traditionally trained in it but I've picked up a little bit here and there um I do ozone therapy I do fecal transplants um, oh yeah the fecal transplants I find I'm very curious about that maybe one day we could do another talk about that (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and the gut Mm mm-hmm and then functional medicine, um, in general, just looking at the body and how it functions or how it doesn't function and how to restore that function in natural ways. Um, so there's a lot of things involved uh, that I mentioned in my six pillars of, of mm-hmm. health um, that need to be addressed from all areas, you know, from all directions, basically, from all aspects of life. Um mm-hmm. What else? I do a little bit of animal communication, but I use it more just to communicate with my patients as far as, you know, their treatment goes. Or if, if there's something that comes up, I don't really advertise it that oh, much. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, did my last, one of my last podcasts was with an animal communicator. Mm-hmm. And um, I did hear of her ask uh, my two dogs and my horse each one question. And it was very interesting. But she said she has a hard time talking to her, her own pets. Mm-hmm. So, uh do you have pets, by the way? Um, I don't currently, but I live on a farm, so I've got plenty of animals around me. Oh, okay. uh, I, you know, I have a busy life, and um, so I, I don't really have the time that I would want to mm-hmm. uh, give an animal. I'm gone all day and, you know, for work, and I wouldn't really want to have an animal that just sits around waiting for me. Um, sure, right. That, yeah. That break my heart, so... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a few stink bugs. I don't know if they'll count. <laughs> <laughs> and I let them live, especially when it's freezing cold. I don't usually s- kick them out, but I tell them just don't be in my path in the middle of the night when I have to go to the bathroom because I don't want to have the, you know, I don't want to squash you. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, okay, so let's go back to... Um, your book. Uh, so obviously you want to educate people and you did mention you give, you um, give these to your patients as they come in or what was that you said about yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, I really wrote the book for my patients um, because I was a little, I, I can never really give all the information in that first initial consultation with them because it's just too much and, mm-hmm. you know, they're too distracted with their animals and, uh, you know, and, and nervous and they don't know me. And so I just wanted for them to have something to go home with um, so that they could really know what I'm trying to do with their animals so that what I recommend makes more sense to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're more on board. Um, so, you know, that's, that's really the reason that I wrote the book. So more mm-hmm. kind of give, give to my patients. Mm-hmm. And it really does um, show your philosophy of how you want to help treat their, their pets. Um, because it, it gives so much history about yourself and how you're thinking. Um, so as I was reading it, uh, I just had, there's just so much information we can only touch on a little bit. Um, 
but I, I'm just so excited. I'm hoping to sell your book on my, um, at my store, but, um, we'll get into that more later. So if you, um, were thinking about illnesses compared to the past and to today with our animals, do you think that animals are getting more sick these days or is it just that we're more aware? What do you think? Um, I think they're getting more sick. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's more awareness too, but that's certainly not the only thing. Um, because our environment is getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. have more, more stress in life. I was just talking to a friend the other day and, and we were both kind of reminiscing of how more laid back things were and we weren't so stressed. We didn't have cell phones on us constantly, you know, with the we weren't constantly available if somebody were wanted to call. We just weren't home, period. And they just have to call again later. <laughs> so it's just a different way of living. You know, we have less stress. We had healthier food, less processed. Um, and even if it was processed, it was still healthier because it had less, you know, toxins in it. Uh, there's more pollution these days, you know, with all the pesticides and herbicides that they spray. And so it's a different life. And, mm-hmm. you know, we also have the whole electromagnetic radiation um, that we didn't have back then. So everything is completely different and the body is just not adjusting as well and as easily. And it just takes more to stay healthy uh, mm-hmm. these days than it did back then. Um, and, and I can see it, you know, in the generations, just in my own family, my grandparents, they lived up into their 90s and they were pretty healthy until then. And then uh, my mom died when when she was 49, oh, and I got sick when I was in my 20s, and my niece is already struggling with health issues, and she's only 10. I mean, mm-hmm. so it's, it's just different, and it gets mm-hmm. passed on from one generation to the other, so every new generation is going to be more challenged health-wise, and will need more um, support, and I think that's what makes it so difficult is people don't realize that um, and, and they realize that we just need to do more nowadays. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because we all have a lot on our plate. Um, we have to work harder. There's more demands on us. And at the same time, we also have to do more. So it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of a stressful situation that we're in mm-hmm. um, these days. And, you mm-hmm. know, I see it and it's heartbreaking how a lot of people, they, have so much on their plates, they have no money, and they can't do what it really would take um, to get mm-hmm. their animals back to health, mm-hmm. and themselves too. Yeah, right, so right. It's definitely challenging, and and there's definitely more cancer. There's more autoimmune diseases. We have moved more to chronic diseases, where it used to be more acute things like infections and things like that. Yeah, we now have a lot of autoimmune diseases, cancers, allergies. I mean, that's basically what I see every day. Do you think that the commercially prepared foods, uh, more more so the canned and the kibble, are using less quality of ingredients these days than they used to, That which makes it even more difficult to um, feed that way? You know, I feel like people are like, oh, my parents fed such and such brand for so many, you know, my dog lived until it was 20. But now it just seems like, the dogs just aren't living as long and, you know, being still fed maybe the same brand of food or, and they're just not doing well. Do you think there's a correlation with the food as well? 
Um, definitely, but we also have the, the predisposition that's changed. You know, they're already not as healthy coming into this world because right. of mom not being as healthy. And, and then you're adding food that also is not as good as it used to be or, you know, not mm -hmm. or is worse than it used to be, I should say. <laughs> With the cables, I mean, there's nothing good about cable, um, in my opinion, because it's just processed. And the more you go away from feeding what they would eat in the wild, just like for us humans, um, mm -hmm. the more sick they're going to get. But I right. think it's a bit of a perfect storm because, you know, you have the environment that's not good anymore. You have the, you know, the predisposition of not being as healthy to begin with. And then you add food that's not promoting health. Uh, so it's like a perfect storm. Right, right. And, and people don't see the um, consequences right away. It's it, it builds and builds. And then I like um, your one section of your book, uh, The Straw That Broke the Camel's Back. You mm -hmm. know, all of a sudden they're finding all these um, issues that, like you said, they're not acute, but they're, they're chronic Mm -hmm. But it was probably built over time. Right, right. Mm -hmm. I mean, they can become acute, you know, if a sure. dog all of a sudden develops lymphoma. Right. I mean, you didn't see it until it's there. Mm -hmm. So it's, in a sense, it's chronic, but the, it showed up acutely, maybe, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do you think that's the same with um, skin allergies or um, maybe not allergies, but the itchy skin and all of that? Do you think that that is... Um, of course, there's many causes, but do you think that it could be related to just the overabundance of all those three th areas you were just talking about, the um, predisposition and the environment and then their food, mm -hmm. that it's not necessarily just one thing that's causing them to be like that? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's always multiple things, and that's what makes the, the healing process a bit more difficult and, and harder to understand sometimes because people are just trying to put a band-aid on it and what whatever symptom they see go away but the symptom is just like the indicator lights in the car you know if you're low on oil um you can put a piece of duct tape over that indicator light and it, you won't see it uh, <laughs> you can ignore it <laughs> ignore it but you know your car is not going to be very happy about that and you're going to be stalled somewhere in the middle of nowhere <laughs> possibly um, so it's the same, you know, with, with treatment. You really have to address everything and, and go for the underlying cause in order to return them to health. So for allergies and itchy skin, you know, just using some medicated shampoo is not going to take care of the underlying cause. You know, right. Shampoo right. as much as you want, it's just still going to come back, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like people are stuck in that circle, but they yeah. don't know what to do about it. Right, that's and that's because nobody is talking to them about what it really takes, and that was that's you know why I wrote this book is because people think it's just going to be a simple fix, you know mm -hmm. they're gonna have to come to the vet once and and then it'll be fixed, right? But if or you just want, get that, yeah, or just get that refill on that prescription over and over. Right, right, but unfortunately, in this world and day and age, it takes a lot more than that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's that's hard to understand, and it's hard to wrap your you know your brain around. Sure, it is, and it takes time, 
and um, we're impatient, of course, because we want our pets to be comfortable. And, you know, it's also annoying when they're scratching all the time or other things. Um, So people just want a quick fix. And we're used to that in society as well. Yeah, it's an instant gratification, you know, I mean, especially with the modern technology we have, you know, you have Mm -hmm. everything at your fingertips. But unfortunately, with health, it doesn't quite work that way. Mm-hmm. So in your chapter two, you kind of mentioned that um, you're talking about health and disease and what disease really is. And I thought that your um, definition of disease, I, I was like, wow, it's is very profound, very simple, but mm-hmm. profound where, um, what did you say? The, uh, the cells, like uh, the cells are malfunctioning or something like that. Can you right. right. Basically, any disease is cells are just not doing what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if a dog has diabetes, it's the pancreas that's not functioning the way it's supposed to. If they have diarrhea, there is a problem in the GI tract. If they're, you know, if they have a joint issue, then it's the joint cells that aren't working properly. So it's always just malfunctioning of cells. It may just manifest in different ways. And so, if if we look at it this simply then we can figure out how to, you know, hopefully make a difference. Mm-hmm. Getting the cells to function better. And what do cells need to function well? They need the nutrients that, you know, make them function that they need for, and you know, chemical react, biochemical reactions and such. But mm-hmm. they also need to be able to um, excrete waste and, and get rid of waste and, and detox. So if, if we give them the nutrients that they need, they can function better. And if we can detox them and help them, you know, get rid of that waste, then they function better as well. Mm-hmm. So those are really the two things that make a big difference. Um, right. So your function. So basically you're saying once you figure out what cells are, um, have the are malfunctioning really there's two things you're saying one is to address the deficiency that they might have that Mm -hmm. animal to help that cell and then also to um, the toxicity of helping that um, the animal release the bad waste to get rid of the toxins in its body pretty much yeah pretty much because that will decrease inflammation overall but one thing that we also need to understand is that, you know, just because a dog is diabetic and the pancreas isn't working doesn't mean that we just have to work on these cells. Mm-hmm. We have to work on the on the whole body because it, the body, if, if it's showing signs somewhere, usually it has issues other places as well. It may just not show up as much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like in all of these chronic diseases, one of the most um, prevalent things is that there's chronic inflammation. And it may be low grade, but it will over time destroy the body, basically, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the body does not like chronic inflammation. If we hit ourselves somewhere, yes, we want have we want inflammation in that area because we want the body to to heal itself. But once the the healing is done, the inflammation is gone. Mm -hmm. But with these chronic conditions that we see, and and pretty much everybody on this planet nowadays has some degree of chronic inflammation going on. Like in their gut? Pardon? Like in their gut? Everywhere. Okay. Yeah, because chronic inflammation is not just located in one area. Mm -hmm. You know, like for example, in autoimmune diseases, you know, somebody or a dog may have autoimmune thyroiditis, for example. 
but the body is also attacking other parts. Autoimmune diseases are never only one area. Okay. There's always other areas that are affected as well. They may not show up right away, but, you know, maybe down mm -hmm. the road, the kidneys may not work because they've been attacked over time as well. But we don't see that until 75% or so or more of the kidneys are damaged. Um, mm -hmm. So basically, chronic inflammation is something that's usually more body-wide, and mm -hmm. everybody has some. Okay. That nowadays, you, you, with the environment that we live in, you cannot, you know, nobody is spared, you know, from mm -hmm. it, but some have more than others. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so the healthier you are and, and the better you feel, the less inflammation you have. But we all have some degree of inflammation. Mm -hmm. So does that go with your, um, your six pillars of health? What are your six pillars of health? Yeah, um, definitely, because those are all the things that are needed to decrease the inflammation as much as possible and, and improve health and provide the body with the nutrients that it needs and remove what it doesn't need. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have a lot of what we don't need in the environment these days. Uh, so the first pillar is obviously nutrition. You know, mm -hmm. Without nutrition, the body cannot function. So again, best is to feed what they would eat in the wild. Um, same for any animal really and us as humans as well mm -hmm. uh, and then the second pillar that um, really goes along with nutrition as well is is the GI health if the GI tract isn't healthy nothing is because mm -hmm. if we have inflammation in the GI tract we have inflammation everywhere else as well um, because okay. it creates leaky gut um, and then you know particles go into the system in the in a way that it shouldn't, you know, partially undigested, the particles are too big, and then they float around in the blood, and the, the immune system is like, hey, this is not supposed to be there, so it goes and attacks it all, and, and then you have inflammation everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, so fixing the gut is one of the most important things. Also, because the microbiome is in the gut, and the microbiome um, is all the, the microbes that help us digest food, detox, um, you know, they help with detoxification, they produce neurotransmitters, they produce all sorts of chemicals that the body needs to function properly. And they outnumber the cells of the body by a factor of 10. Mm -hmm. And uh, genetically, they outnumber the body by a factor of 100. So huh? who's, who's leading the ship here? <laughs> we we think it's cells? our brain, but really it's not. <laughs> right, no, it's, it's, uh, it's our bugs. So we need our bugs. <laughs> Um, so that's why um, GI health is really important because we want to make sure that that microbiome is healthy to really, you know, support our health. And then the third pillar would be detoxification. And there's a little bit of a, you know, sequential aspect to, to healing. You know, you want to provide good food so that the body is, you know, has the nutrients that it needs mm -hmm. in order to then be able to detoxify because mm -hmm. I also see um, people try to detoxify their animals and then they have major reactions and that's mm -hmm. because the body is not ready and not strong enough to do that. Um, so you always have to create some degree of balance and stability before you can um, address detoxification. And in the process of getting to that you know, balance and, and stability, you, the body already starts to detoxify. But to amplify that, you have to make sure that the body really can handle it safely. Mm -hmm. Detoxification is 
for you know one part is mobilizing it out of the tissues which is good but then from the t- once it's floating around in the blood we have to make sure it gets out mm-hmm. otherwise the body is going to feel sick you know mm-hmm. one way of of um you know, being more safe from toxins is that the toxins get stored into fat tissue, fatty tissue or other tissues so that it's out of the circulation and not causing as much, you know, mm-hmm. not disruption. Feel- yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So anyways, we have to be able to get it out. It has to go out through the liver and, and into the GI tract and then out, out of the body. So we also have to make sure that it doesn't get reabsorbed in the gut. So detoxification is really a process that has to be well done in order to you know make mm-hmm. it successful otherwise it's just basically recycling and mm-hmm. we're damaged and good mm-hmm. so yeah so that's um two third okay third yeah. one yeah uh, food gi tract oh yeah tracks. and then one of the other pillars is hormonal balance um, if we have hormonal imbalances, let's say low thyroid levels, for example, the body cannot work properly because hormones, I mean, especially thyroid hormone is what drives things, is what creates energy and, you know, drives the energy. Uh, it's like the gasoline in the car. I mean, you can have a car if you have no gasoline, <clears throat> there's nowhere to go. Or if you're trying to bake a cake at like 100 degrees Fahrenheit, you're just going to have a blubbery mess. <laughs> right. It's going to turn into a cake. So we need enough thyroid hormone for the body to be able to function um, properly and all the chemical reactions to um, occur at the speed that they're supposed to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that it can function well. So hormonal balance is really important. Um, and then uh, the nervous system is another one of those pillars um, because the nerves are transmitting information to all organs, the muscles, the you know skin, I mean the eyes, everywhere basically. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. if we don't have proper nerve flow to all of these organs, they also can't function properly. Mm-hmm. Um, nerves are like a water hose. You step on it and you have no water coming out. So if you're trying to water your garden with nothing coming out, nothing is going to happen. So same mm-hmm. with that. So in, you know, animals that have, you know, kidney issues, for example, you want to make sure that the nerve flow to the kidneys is optimal so that we can get the most out of what is, what is there. Um, we also can prevent injuries and things like that down the road. Mm -hmm. do Do you think that's where like acupuncture or chiropractic come in? Yeah, both. Both, um, any sort of manual therapy, it could be visceral manipulation, um, it could be massage. Um, anything that just helps pro- to promote better um, flow of the nerves, you know, nerve transmission. Mm-hmm. Basically. Um, it also is very important to start that when, you know, as soon as the animal is born, basically, and not wait until they have an issue. Mm-hmm. Because the changes are gradual, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to arthritic changes, for example, also arthritic changes in the spine. Um, that then in long term can cause weakness in the rear rear end or even mm-hmm. loss of function of the rear end. Um, so we want to make sure that that's, you know, taken care of and, and maintained over the life of the animal and not want only once um, symptoms occur. And that really goes for everything, you know, mm-hmm. life, health should be about prevention and not about fixing problems. Right. Right. Okay. I- is it, even with ourselves, we tend to ignore our health until we see a problem. 
that's even do that with ourselves. And it's even harder, I think, with the animals because um, sometimes you can't even tell that they're that they're hurting um, until it's major. So if we can try to work prevention Mm -hmm. um, and focusing on that, then that I think should help us in the long run instead of just always reacting. Right, exactly. It should be more proactive rather than reactive. Mm-hmm. Long term, right. You know, it's 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 better on all levels, mm-hmm. <laughs> financially, <laughs> emotionally, and you know, quality <laughs> of life and everything. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so nervous system, and then one of the, and then the last pillar would be um, exercise, and I think that's probably the one that's the least. Um, Yeah, people tend to step by the wayside, but I think if I have one regret in my health journey is that I didn't exercise mm-hmm. as part of, of getting healthier. I mean, obviously I've changed, you know, I exercise almost every day now, um, mm. but I think that's really important for our animals that they get exercise every day, no matter what the weather is, no matter what the temperature is, or temperatures are and obviously you have to gear it towards what they can do mm-hmm. uh, but exercise is so so crucial and I have found that exercise is maybe even more important than the the diet that you feed mm-hmm. because I see people around me who exercise a lot and you know are very active in their lives you know they don't just sit around all the time and they, their diet is not perfect, but they seem to be in much better health than a lot of people who have a perfect diet but don't exercise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So exercise is so, so crucial because it creates blood flow. It it um, stimulates the brain um, and it creates new, new um, connections in the brain and maintains the connections in the brain so that, you know, as we age or as our animals age, they will be much more functional because they can still maintain muscle mass. Um, they're not going to have as much dementia. And with blood flow, you also have a lot more blood flow to the liver and then the liver functions better. You have less toxins. So mm-hmm. exercise is crucial, crucial. Right. And I can't emphasize that enough because I know we focus a lot on food and everybody has heard about food, but exercise is just something that people just, you know, yeah yeah it's fine i'll just throw the ball in the house a few times i'm like that's not exercise that's actually a disaster waiting to happen you know (laughs) or injury waiting to happen because usually they run into something or twist and turn while they're trying to stop and then there goes the cruciate ligament you know Mm -hmm. and that goes back to um what we were talking about in the very beginning of how we're all so stressed Mm -hmm. and we our environment is more toxic and we have all of this bombarding us and but we need to do more ourselves and so yeah. that is that is hard i mean the, the exercising i think for most people is very hard to do just because everyone's tired and they just want to watch tv and go to sleep after right, work right mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. and it's dark in the winter time you know you don't want to go out and mm-hmm. um it's definitely necessary. You know, they do absolutely need exercise, you know, mm-hmm. and even if it has to be daycare or have a dog walker or like a neighbor's responsible kid, 
Uh, <laughs> right. You know, and same for cats too. You know, we, you know, a lot of these indoor cats, they don't get nearly enough exercise. So we just have to enrich their environment in ways where they would, you know, keep moving and, and keep mobile because it's important, you know, it's important for well-being. It's important for happiness. It's, mm-hmm. it balances out the stress. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to actually see and hear of more people taking their cats out for walks than um, than I ever thought of before. I, I, just a few months ago, I saw someone walking their cat across the street, um, although they didn't have the cat on a leash, which I didn't like. Um, so the cat wouldn't move, and they did have to pick it up. But I thought, well, at least they're you know they, they were taking their cat and their small dog for a walk. I thought, wow, that is really interesting. And then I did a podcast with um, some ladies that. Um, their focus is cats and they actually walk their cats through their, um, they have a little area of woods near them every day. And mm-hmm. I thought, wow, not only is that uh, physically good for them, but emotionally probably as well. Right. And as you know, animals and just, you know, us as well, we need to touch the earth. Mm-hmm. So having connection to the earth is really important because there's a Schumann resonance, which is basically the frequency of the planet. And we resonate with that frequency of the planet. It's the, you know, the frequency of all the hydrogen um, atoms that we have in the body. And we're mostly water, so there's a lot of hydrogen atoms. And they did studies uh, where they um, took people and put them in a bunker where the Earth's electromagnetic radiation or Schumann resonance was not present. And these people were getting sick. And they reintroduced that Schumann resonance into that bunker and they started to heal. Uh, would you so call that grounding? Is that uh, well, I mean, er, they call, I mean, earthing is, is just one way oh. of getting connected um, to okay. that. Um, uh-huh. You know, like having your bare feet touch the ground. Um, right. Obviously, I'm not doing that in the wintertime. <laughs> <laughs> does it work as well with hands? Like Pardon? if you're touching, does it work as well with your hands? Let's say if you don't want to take your shoes off and you just want to touch. Do you think? Yeah, uh, probably, but you know, my hands get cold too. <laughs> Um, you know, I mean, we do the best we can, but, uh, you know, it's, it's good, you know, if they can have contact with the earth, it's, it's helpful, it's healthy, you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, we do better in nature, don't we? I mean, we go out in nature and we come back rejuvenated. Yeah, definitely. And isn't it Japan where they have some sort of nature? I don't want, no, I can't they remember call, what they call it. It's forest bathing. Yeah, exactly. Because forest. I've been reading about that. I love, I love going out into the forest, and, and that's what I, I, my yeah. husband teases me, and he bought me some more forest bathing books. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well. Yeah, they've built parks where um, they just put some benches out in the the forest, and they're encouraging people to go spend more time out in the forest, just right. relaxing and connecting with nature. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So our animals do do well with that too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's funny. All these things are so interconnected. So yeah. let going back to your book, you know, you you bring up different um, diseases. I'll just say, and uh, as they read your book, what? How would you say they should approach a problem they're having with their dog, with their with their veterinarian to to deal with some of the issues? Maybe starting that they recognize in your book of ways to help them. Because I feel like people can't do it alone. Yeah, I agree. Because, you know, every animal is different and mm-hmm. may need more support this way or that way. And, and so it's it's good to have some guidance. But 
obviously if if you're looking for a more holistic approach it's it's always better to you know work with a holistic vet because they already think that way mm-hmm. um, and that's not to say you know nothing against traditional vets you know they do they're good at what they do and mm-hmm. you know they are necessary for what they do um, mm-hmm. but in, in a lot of these chronic diseases um, as you know I mean I, I was taught you know traditional medicine and there's just nothing there for chronic diseases to mm-hmm. uh, help restore the body mm-hmm. all you can do if, with traditional medicine is just um, you know help quality help of symptoms. life maybe help with the symptoms but I think you know it, it's best you know to start with a holistic vet and and work with someone like that and if you know but it's also important to educate yourself um because even though there are a lot of holistic vets out there not every holistic vet is as holistic as Mm -hmm. you know as may might be necessary Mm -hmm. yeah it's you're just talking about everybody their own you know focus and own education and and experience um so in any case i think just reading a lot um learning a lot there's you know people who have videos i mean a lot of veterinarians have videos available and mm-hmm. uh, so just learning a lot and you know asking questions and you know that's really important mm-hmm. there's google you know there's a lot of information on google <laughs> now, i'm not saying you should just do it all by yourself and just con- right. you know, consult dr google because there's also a lot of information out there that's not very good um but mm-hmm. you know learn learn read learn <laughs> watch mm-hmm. So on your um, your website uh, for your your veterinarian um, Peak Animal Health Center, it looks like you have a lot of um, resources there for people to learn about uh, ways they can help their animal and even contact you, like if they wanted to. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, I mean, I you know, aside from my book, um, I also have a video series that goes into a lot more depth. Mm-hmm. Um, on all the subjects that I touch on in in the in the book, the book is mm-hmm. more introduction, just to kind of have the overall philosophy and an understanding of what it takes. But then in the video series, I go into the actual, you know, subjects of nutrition mm-hmm. and GI health and how it works and detoxification and all of these types of things, vaccines, heartworm. Mm-hmm. You know, just the things that people really need to know in order to keep their animals healthy or help return them to health. And again, the more you understand about the individual um, things that are needed, the more you can apply them. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, I, I just that. I just discovered your uh, your video series. I didn't realize that was on there. Um, so I was watching your introduction. Uh, to the video series and I thought wow I'm gonna have to buy that and it was reasonably priced I thought I thought oh and it looked very um, easy to understand but full of information and and very well done it looked like so I would I'm I'm going to do it myself so I'm excited about that (laughs) right a lot of information and you know the good thing about all the information that people learn about their animals applies to themselves as well, because we all have similar bodies. You know, obviously some things are a little bit different. I mean, I wouldn't really want to eat raw chicken, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, it, it, the principles are the same. So whatever you learn for your animals, you can also apply to yourself. You know, it's, it's the same, really. Mm -hmm. And then I really loved how you end your book about, um, well, close to the end, about personal responsibility. I thought, oh, wow, that's that's really good to point out, even though we know, you know, how we should raise, we know what's right, but really to think about it. Do you have any words to, like, what main points you would like to talk about it with that personal responsibility of having a pet? And Well, I think we all make choices in life, and we're not victims of, of anything, so... Um, if something does happen, if we can take that opportunity to learn from it and, you know, take mm -hmm. responsibility for it and kind of dig in and, and see what's there, I think we can gain a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and personal responsibility is, is, yeah, we're responsible for our own reality, for what we manifest. You know, I don't think we're we're victims of anything and sure sometimes life really sucks <laughs> and and we can't really quite tell why and 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 what and it's hurtful and and so on but i have always found at least for myself that looking back there's always been a huge learning in mm -hmm. it and if it didn't feel good in the moment and if we can kind of keep that in the back of our head i think we can get more out of it mm -hmm. right right but yeah we're, we're also responsible for our animals because I also see people be afraid of their vets, you know, right. and, oh, I got to do, you know, what they tell me to do. And, oh, I can't tell them what else I'm doing. And, um, yeah, taking responsibility because no vet can really tell you what you need to do and what you should do. And if they do, I think it's just not right because we need to make our decisions. We have to go with what we feel is right because those are our animals and they're our responsibility. And, and I always, you know, let my clients decide with their animals because mm -hmm. they're the ones living that life, not me. Mm -hmm. So whatever they decide is, is what's right for them. Mm -hmm. I think people just need to trust, you know, what, themselves more um that for one they're more they're really connected with their animals and that whatever they come up with is also what the animal would like in mm -hmm. many cases and to not let themselves be bullied by by anyone really mm -hmm. right kind of connect more with themselves to to kind of be in touch with their own gut feelings and their own hearts with your own heart and your own intuition and your you know what feels right to you and not be so dependent on what everybody else thinks and tells you to do. Mm -hmm, and that's mm -hmm. to say that, you know, there are people out there who can help us and guide us. But in the end, we have to do what feels right. And nobody mm -hmm. should, you know, bully us into doing something that mm -hmm. doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. So uh, also on your website, can people contact you with a concern that they have, like people that don't live near you, to get advice from you or... Um, do you do um, that service? Yeah, I do phone consultations as well, but um, by law, I, I cannot make any diagnosis and I can't make really specific recommendations. Okay. Uh, like, you know, treatments and things like mm -hmm. that, just because if I've never seen an animal, I also sure. wouldn't really want to do that just because um, what what the person or the, you know, the guardian of the animal sees may not be what I see. 
Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I may be missing something and making recommendations that are not appropriate for an animal. Okay. So mm-hmm. I always recommend that they do find somebody locally, but I can help guide them in a direction uh, of what may, you know, be beneficial to look at. Right. Uh, and then maybe to ask their vet or. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm, exactly. Okay. Uh, and that can be very, very valuable, you know, for, for people to have that. Sure. Sure. Well, I am excited to get some of your books so I can start selling them. And uh, like I said, it's, it's, full of information what your vet never told you but it's also not hard to read i found it um, yeah yeah i i i thought it was it was good for just about everybody to read that's why i liked it that it wasn't too complicated but yet it did give me some really good information mm-hmm. on um some certain diseases too that I, I was like oh i didn't know that you know there's a lot of a lot of information in there so i do appreciate you coming on again um and if ever you want to do another podcast, let me know. I would love it on if a particular topic that you're interested in, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, I would love that for sure. And thank you so much for having me and, you know, spreading the word. I think it's it's very important what you do. Thanks. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Hey, everyone. And thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Rough Rough Raw podcast. We love bringing you all this knowledge and content, and we want to make sure that we can keep it coming, which requires support from our listeners like you. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening, like us on Facebook and Instagram, and show us your love by heading to shop.roughroughraw.com to subscribe to our newsletter and check out all of our resources. Thanks again for listening.